0: Hello and welcome to Letters and Lines, a comics podcast looking at comics from the perspective of being a fan, a creator, and a critic. Before we dive into what we're actually going to be talking about in this episode, though, it's probably worth introducing who we are so you know whose voices you're listening to. I'm Hass, and I make strip panel naked on YouTube. I edit the twice Eisner-nominated panel by Panel Magazine, and I write, edit, and letter comics.
1: And I'm Aditya, and I letter comics like Izola, These Savage Shores, and Little Bird.
0: So this week we've got two topics once again, and my topic is about where the future of the comics industry will go.
1: And my topic is doing comics professionally versus doing them as a hobby.
0: But I think before we start, I just I feel like it's worth uh, mentioning the fact that this is our 10th episode. Double digits.
1: Yes. And and more than a year of podcasting, baby, (laughs) even though it's a lot less frequent than we might like.
0: What a schedule. Ten episodes yeah. in, in a year and a month. Near year and two months. It's pretty yeah. impressive. So
1: it's like every 1.5 months or something. Like
0: that. <laughs> it's worth it. I think it's worth the wait.
1: Yeah. And, you know, these are long-ass episodes. It's fine. People are getting a lot of bang for
0: their buck. Yeah. Yeah, we can rest easy at night, I think, with that argument. Um, so uh, I guess, should we start with my topic about where the future of the comics industry will go? Um, yes. This was. It's a it's a big question. It's quite a it's quite a, a, a hearty topic.
1: Yeah, I, I I think like the one thing I would say is whatever the industry comes to, comics as a medium is not gonna go anywhere. Like it's gonna be. I mean, comics are not dying that way.
0: At least. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I that's absolutely yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, so, some of this was born out of um, looking at the 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 information that was put out about the book market where um, comics are doing like incredibly, uh, incredibly well, right. but specifically incredibly well in, in formats that I re- would assume that most people listening to this show are not super familiar with, or at least if not super familiar with, it's not their main uh, engagement with the comics medium. Um, right, such as? So that was stuff like um, Dave uh, Pilkey's Dogman Comics, Um, and, uh, Reina, Reina stuff, which maybe is probably a little bit more, um, in, in the, in the, Scope of the people listening to this, um, I think if the top ten like best-selling comics of the past year in terms of the book, like in terms of book market, so so outside of comic book shops, um, I think Dave uh, Dave Pilkey's Dogman comics, which are I think like aimed for like a sort of a, I think like a like an eight to ten audience, maybe or like a seven to ten audience, like yeah, I think old. something
1: like that, like five to ten or something.
0: Yeah, I tried right. buying some. I looked at them for my my nephew who just turned five, and I think they were skewing a little bit older than that right um so yeah in that in that in that range uh and i think out of the top 10 he had like seven books or something you know <laughs> he, was, he, he had sold quite a considerable amount of comics that year um and Rainer was picking up a couple of the other ones um yeah you know, I, she, I believe the top 10 basically
1: yeah I, I believe like some of these presses actually stopped printing other comics just so that they could get their um Reina orders you know through
0: yeah yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's that's how many copies they're printing.
0: It's amazing. Like, so her her new book, which is "Guts," which I think is out in like September, that was a pre a pre uh, print, you know, like for the first edition of like a million copies or something. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. And and her her book that came out, um, that the book that was about like kind of like how to tell your own story in comics. So that was aimed yeah. at like, like kind of mid grade market still. I think even that, which was really just a book about like how you might go about figuring out how to tell a story in comics kind of um, even that was like 500,000 copies so it's like even that was quite a was quite a considerable like pre-order number
1: yeah um, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure that that comic is where we are going to get a lot of the future of comics from
0: yeah yeah
1: because that's yeah. like these are kids who are reading reina comics and they're like even if just a few of them kind of grew up to make comics that that's going to be where they started so
0: absolutely yeah for sure for sure so I, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about um, the fact that the kind of the direct comics market has expanded a little bit over twenty years, but not like a considerable amount. Like not not it's not like doubled or anything like that. Uh, in right. terms of, um, I, I, I was, believe
1: I believe the total number numbers in the direct market have gone up a little bit, but the number of comics, like the number of titles being sold, has gone up quite a lot. So right. those numbers are kind of being spread thinner uh around a lot more comics
0: yeah it's you see you don't you're not gonna see, you don't really see any like of oh, those like blockbuster uh numbers that you were seeing in like you know uh, right i don't like, i don't think any comic
1: sells like a million copies anymore right in the direct market
0: yeah well, not even close to that yeah right i, <laughs> I think think. I think
1: the biggest selling comic is like 150,000 or something
0: right and i i think also that was probably with a lot of overshipping too um right. i'm not sure that was specifically direct uh direct sales like you know i don't think it was that many copies ordered i think there was some overshipping, um right. which is which is fair which is fine that's a good way of, <laughs> of inflating the numbers as well um but it got me thinking about uh what what like what does the future hold so if we if you look at what's gr- the kind of the big growth market is really kind of like the trades trades in bookshops market yeah uh, or, or original graphic novels or however you want to kind of like classify that book like book more book versions um yeah. i think i think it's
1: been true for the last like 20 years Pretty much,
0: yeah, for sure, for sure, and uh, and so if that's the case, and what we tend, what we see, is that really there's a kind of a core direct market comics base that we could assume is probably a slightly older audience that's been that's been mostly keeping it uh, maintained throughout kind of period. Yeah, that once that once that base starts to get older and older and older, do we have quite the same amount of people to kind of come in at the bottom end and and, and sort of fill that space back up? And if not, uh, which I, it's hard to say, but if, if that isn't the case, if that doesn't happen, then, then I was thinking, well, what is the future, where where the comics go? Right. So um, you're, you're
1: specifically talking about the periodicals market
0: there. Yeah. I'm talking about like what, what probably most people f- listening to this would consider comics in terms of like superhero or like, you know, like IDW, boom, dark yeah. horse kind of like that kind of comic books, as opposed to, um, uh, you know, I don't know. What's a good <laughs> like <laughs> scholastics Scholastic, or whatever? Like, yeah, right, right. Um, um, yeah. So, so, I, at which case it's like there was a a couple of assessments that I made, hmm. which I think were fairly vaguely reasonable assessments. Which is okay. So if that if the direct market starts to slow down, then maybe you start to see essentially the same. Uh, the same kind of work, the same kind of comics, but just going straight to trade format or something instead. So rather than buying six issues of um, uh, Captain Marvel, you maybe instead they're going to uh, Marvel put out uh, just the Captain Marvel kind of collection or digest of, of those six issues. Right. Um, because the, the, there's still a, you know, still clearly a reader base, and I think that reader base would probably would still probably pick up comics in digest form. Right. Um, the the sorts that of they're reading monthly.
1: See, I think um, here's here's a couple of points. Like, I think one point um, pro kind of uh, graphic novel only uh, publication mm-hmm. is the fact that um, uh, I, I, I see the numbers on a few of the comics that I work on, and on most of them, uh, the volume one. Like, uh, will always kind of sell a little more than issue one did, right? Uh, which does mean that, um, yes, like I think more people are basically buying um comics as graphic novels than uh they are as periodicals. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, looking at it from a publisher or creative point of view, um, while there is a serialization market around. Uh, there's kind of very little incentive for you not to do a serialization. Right. Because it's like literally um, okay, uh, an average comics production takes around a month and a half Mm -hmm. let's say uh, and on top of that to create your TPB as a creative team you have to spend maybe like two to three days more. Right. Right. So you're already kind of working towards your TPB uh, TPB is like the graphic novel format um, mm-hmm. so as a creative I don't understand why you would let go of the serialization like or as a company like a marvel like unless like the periodical market is actually completely destroyed there's mm-hmm. no reason for a company not to do periodicals because essentially you will get more sales if you do like slightly more maybe like a hundred more but right. there'll still be more
0: so, but if that, but if that starts, this is what I'm looking at in this in, in terms of if that thing starts to slow down, right? Which I'm not saying it necessarily will, but if that if that if the direct market potentially starts to slow down, um, mm. and you're starting to look at other revenues because I think that's what you you're already seeing. I think if you look at DC, nothing, their Zoom and their ink lines and stuff, you're looking at a company that's already going. We need to figure out where like where to go next because while there is a growth in one sector and there isn't necessarily the same level of growth in in, in the direct market sector. So I think yeah. you're just going to start to see companies look for those things. I think even Marvel kind of giving um, rights to IDW for some of their, like, their kind of like younger lines is them yeah. figuring out that there is a growth market that they haven't figured out how to tap into yet. Um, and so that to me looks like companies that are concerned, not concerned, but being mindful or wary, I guess, of where the future will go um right. and i think when if you start to see that growth what you'll start to see is probably more investment in that area I and mean, if you start to put more investment in that area i think you'll start to drive more people into that thing so i think that's naturally you're going to start to find that probably periodicals will probably be around for a lot of, like you know forever potentially because you'll you'll still have those kind of like a niche kind of uh gaming comic book shops yeah um but i think the potentially the number will be minimal because I think when if you start to think of like a smaller comic, like you're talking about some stuff that prints and isn't selling as well as the, the trade, then it's a cost perspective of well, can I still get those same people that bought the first issue? Will they, will they buy the trade still anyway, or can yeah. I give that first issue out as a freebie, uh, as a free sample to get them to then buy the trade? Um, so do you know what I mean? Like there's like yeah. there's different ways, and I think if that starts to, if you start to see that as kind of a much more uh. A better a better cost return of selling the trades compared to printing six individual things and having to ship six individual. Yeah, uh, things I think um, the dwindling audience.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest people in the market, like the biggest sellers, um, uh, in terms of creative and in terms of publishers, I, mm-hmm. I would say that they're probably already doing that because um, take take something like um, Saga.
0: Right.
1: Very little of Saga's life is actually in the periodicals. Mm-hmm. most of sagas like saga is read by uh people sitting on the table next to me in a cafe in india like <laughs> right right yeah like i mean saga is huge uh mm-hmm. people who are have zero interest in comics know who brian K. and fiona staples are yep. so so like when it gets to kind of that kind of level um, i think your periodicals like your periodicals are firstly in one language uh mm-hmm most like best-selling comics are selling in multiple languages mm-hmm. um so I, I i don't know the numbers in this like i I mean i could sort of ask somebody but uh, i have a feeling that the biggest players are already out of the market like for them this is already like a uh, I, I would say like somebody uh, working on that level is thinking of serial serialization as a, just a way to keep them on track
0: <laughs> right, right. You know, keep them yeah. on schedule
1: because the numbers yeah, actually yeah. don't mean that much to them. Yeah. Um, but everybody else in the market at this point kind of depends on it. So I, I suppose um, you're looking at a model that already a bunch of people are following,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and everybody else would like to follow. Uh, well, I
0: think I think if you if you if you look at. Uh... So even image if you look at like say image books if you look at stuff um that say like vault and aftershock are putting out which are typically based really kind of a lot of it is really based on the the image model i guess in a sense but you're putting out stuff which is sorts of four to six issue arcs mostly Hmm. um and then you're and then you're putting that out as a a trade and then for a lot of comics it seems like that's the kind of period to see if they're going to do more so are you, do you think there's already a case of people just using the? know you're talking about this on the on the on the top end, but even on some of the like the new comics just coming out, do you, it feels a little bit like that it might be a case of using the periodical market as a as a just a proving ground. Um, is this yeah. will this have enough interest for us to sell this in a book form later on? And if so, then we'll carry on and just keep selling it in a book form later.
1: Yeah, I think any any publisher with a slightly long term view is looking at that, but I don't I don't know. Uh, how successful they are in something like this like um, I don't know I mean the biggest example of this is actually somebody like Vertigo where um, if I'm not wrong like some of their best like I'm I'm not talking about Vertigo now or like the previous iteration but the Mm -hmm. Vertigo that like most of us got into comics with Um, towards the end like something like Hellblazer was I think selling selling, like 6,000 or 7,000 copies Mm -hmm. Um, and like most of their series in serialization would sell something like maybe like 15 to 20 percent um of the copies that the eventual books were going to sell because Mm. the books were going to sell over a period of years and um they were selling to like the book market and stuff like you could you could you could get vertigo comics in a bookstore in india in a way that you are never going to get um periodicals um (laughs) right 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 right, like uh, I'm not sure about this, but I think like something like Isola is also available in India, like the first volume. Mm-hmm. But so, so there is just like a, I think any small publisher looking to kind of be in the uh, comics market is gonna be uh, looking at the trade paperback as the eventual life of their comic, right? Um, and publication essentially as a paid advertisement almost. Um, <laughs> right, right. But, like, for an individual, like, for an individual coming into comics, I don't know. I, I, I see a lot of people quite dispirited by the sales of their single issues because mm-hmm. um, they hope to kind of make a living out of them at some point of time, and um, that's nowhere to be found.
0: Yeah. So, Well, I mean, well, that, but that raises, that that, to me, like, raises an interesting question about the future of comics because... If you are, which I think is a correct assessment of like using, because uh, that's the kind of the, the sort of way that I see it, is like using the, the kind of the monthly format as almost like an advertisement for, for the trade. Because I, I know a lot of people that kind of follow Strip Pal Naked, and, uh, and when we chat about comics and the like the, the Discord chat thing that we have there, there's quite right. a few people that do the kind of uh, first issue and use the first issue essentially as a taster. Like, if I like that thing, I'll, I'll then I'll put a trade order in. Yeah. Right. So, i'm not going to get the rest but they go to the lcs and you know the first issue of a new image book or whatever and they're like, i like that put me down for the trade when the trade comes out for that thing um and so you're already seeing people kind of end up use that which which is also potentially you know a big reason why you have that 50 percent rule ish where your your second issue is going to sell about half whatever your first issue did you're going to lose some people from who just didn't like what you did but you're also going to lose some people who are going to wait for you to have five more issues ready before they buy it all um yeah but if you, so if you just extrapolate that out and you see that as essentially periodicals are are just marketing for the eventual book form hmm. then how does that also then change the way that you are going to, to right to, so to tell your story
1: right so you could al- almost like i can almost see this transitioning to something like um essentially like pe- like uh, you see this with a bunch of graphic novels that their previews tend to be like 20 to 30 pages
0: Right, which is right, basically right. an issue yeah yeah
1: right so you could sort of see the future kind of being like oh here's the first 30 pages of my comic mm-hmm. and now apart from that you just buy the full thing like you don't right. you don't actually have like the later issues at all <laughs> um yeah, yeah. <clears throat> after we talk about the financial thing i would like to come back to the aesthetic thing because i think that's a that's a that's a very distinctive point but it's also like a uh, important thing uh, just just pointing that out uh, yeah, so financially, I think uh, right. See, at the moment, it makes um, no sense for somebody not to want to serialize. Like again, like there's there's multiple layers here, right? Um, mm-hmm, yeah. A creator might want to serialize their comic, but a publisher might not. Um, right. You know, like I'm, I mean, this has happened to multiple people. I know that uh, they they wrote it as like a multi issue thing, and the publisher just said, you know, we we would rather not put the the single issues out but we'll put the whole thing out right right. um yeah so extrapolating from like so so this is all like still near future stuff extrapolating from this what do you think uh the eventual future of comics looks like
0: well i think i think so i we briefly mentioned talked about this before we started recording but i was having a conversation with a writer the other day uh, about like where, what is what does this whole thing look like in the future um and also a big part of this is is like I, what i would term as the boring stuff but probably to other people is the really important stuff or the really interesting stuff but it's like the kind of like the the company buyouts and things like that and so you've got like disney um uh, have bought uh, fox and Fox own, I don't know if it's a controlling stake, but a fairly, fairly high stake in in, in Boom.
1: I think it's a minority one because uh, minority when, because when the Lion Joni merger was happening, I saw a bunch of people talking about that, and like I think the Fox uh, stake in Boom is a minority stake.
0: Right, right. So for example, if Fox just decide that they want they, they want to sell their stake in Boom, which I imagine is useful or a considerable portion of keeping boom afloat uh was part of that deal um so potentially you see like some someone like boom potentially potentially float away or you see and then if on the back of that you look at disney could easily just look at their comics division and think like well the comic wasn't making comics isn't as important as us having the characters to license because that's really what's making the big dollars uh, in terms of like media licensing yeah so they could just as easily just outsource their their whole production to um you know like uh, graphics india or something like that right hmm. they could outsource it to a place where they can do production a lot cheaper they don't really have to manage it or run it as a business which makes them uh streamlines their whole operation and so in that case then is it just cheaper to produce a whole like a, you know like just like a whole series of graphic novels aimed at different markets from like a kids market graphic novel series to you know like a i don't know teen graphic market digest stuff um, and at that point what use is the direct market if they're just licensing the comics um and, and all it takes, all it would take, I imagine, is for one is for Marvel or DC to to look at this situation and be like, well, we don't this isn't working for us anymore, we'll have to change this. Yeah, but um, then
1: uh then like why would you sort of be doing the comics in the first place? Would that be like a focus group thing? Like uh what would be, be the incentive to actually make the comic at all if if the IP is the important thing?
0: That well yeah, that's a good question. So it's all dead. Uh <laughs> no,
1: no, no, then we can, that, can, I can, we can get control. on then we could get well, on with just create our own comics. And like,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think I think at that point the license is still. I think the license is still going to make you some money in some way, right? You're still right. going to be able to sell, even even at a mid grade level or whatever. You're still going to sell, and you're going to be able to sell um, uh, spin offs of whatever media tie ins you do. You're going to you're going to have awareness from that, so that you can have someone go watch like the Loki TV show, or whatever, and they're going to want to go pick up a, a Loki comic, um, right? But at that stage, and the same with the movies, really. I think at that stage, your is your audience really going into comic book shops and buying monthly issues of whatever's out, or are they they going into like a like a um, I'm trying to think of what's a good cultural reference for a bookstore apart from just saying bookstore, a Waterstones or a Bar- and Barnes and Nobles or whatever, a Barnes and Noble or whatever, and they're going to go buy the thing that's on the shelf in that because that's much more of a uh, accessible entry point because because you also then have to teach people how how they would otherwise have to go. Do you see what I mean? Like if, if you want to then keep comics going in, a, in the direct market where you almost have to train or teach people how to access that material. right? And, and by doing that, that's just more advertising cost. It's more manpower. It's more money. Whereas what yeah. you could just do is go, well, you can buy the comic book at the place that you would buy a book. And so I can't, this is the thing that I always go back to is like, well, one of those makes a lot more sense to me if I was running a business as to where I would dive, like invest the money. I would invest the money in the place that was, Expanding, uh, and the place that wouldn't require a lot of a- additional advertising to explain where these things are found, hmm. um, and that's where I would concentrate my like my money. Uh, so but that's uh, the really boring financial stuff,
1: right? And like, a, but, but, but head. no, but uh, kind of uh, talking more about the market as it stands. Um, there's a lot of licensed comics mm-hmm. that sell pretty much abysmal numbers in, right. in the single issues. Yeah. Um, but the fundamental difference there is that somebody walking to into a comic book shop uh, who's buying an, uh, a, a video game tie-in comic, let's say, mm-hmm. um, is a person who's interested in comics who happens to be interested in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas um, the actual sales of these things are in um, the book market where... Right. Um, somebody who's walking in is like he sees the comic and they're like uh, oh I like this game I want to check out the comic like I've actually uh, again like uh, something like Bloodborne
0: Yeah,
1: I know people who've seen my name that I know in real life who saw my name in a Bloodborne comic and Like, you know, messaged me and said that, hey, I didn't I didn't know you were working on Bloodborne. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I work in comics and I happen to, like, Bloodborne happened to be one of the comics that <laughs> I worked on. I don't work for Bloodborne. Uh, so they, they actually kind of don't understand almost that. Oh, like, yes, okay, comics are just a thing. Like
0: right, right. it's
1: it didn't just happen that the Bloodborne people decided to make a comic. It said, Oh, people actually make a lot more comics than this. Yeah. Um so it, it's quite it's quite funny where see the Again, like some as somebody who doesn't live in uh, in the US or the UK, mm-hmm. um, the direct market kind of looks weird to me,
0: <laughs>
1: right? Um, because uh, at this point, you're essentially like it's like a it's like a novelty shop right. that is being propped up by a lot of people out of a, some kind of nostalgia, right? Right, because. Uh, the idea, of, uh, the idea of not just selling a comic wherever you can, just like a mm-hmm. book, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is quite strange. Like, <laughs> why would you just concentrate on this one thing? Uh, but that kind of gets into, like, the history of how the direct market was set up um, yeah. and why it is still convenient for people to only deal with the direct market because... Uh, essentially like diamond takes a big cut out of your comic and mm-hmm. then they take care of everything else for you like you don't right. i i just like i have to make my comic and i have to send it to the printer everything else is basically taken care of by diamond mm-hmm. um so there are kind of solid reasons for people why people um still want comic shops yeah but but let's say you remove those let's say you remove let's let's say the shrinking minority of people who read comics in uh, from a comic book shop actually yeah. shrinks to negligible uh proportions like where would you still see a comic book shop existing is the question well, I,
0: like, I, I, big, I, I, no i think i think you 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 would Right. So I, I, like, and I'm, I'm a big fan of comic book shops. Like I don't get. No, to I love go them. Like,
1: there's no, there's no. I have no complaint against them. Like I'm just. Yeah, um, yeah no. But,
0: yeah. So that, that's my point. Like I, so I like the people that go there they love i think a lot of people do love that experience um and what you see with a lot of successful shops is that diversification in terms of what they're selling right and that's but that's also you know in some ways that's kind of a bad sign because it means that those that that thing isn't isn't keeping going itself but yeah i'm they, sure
1: like a lot of comic book shops make make more money out of funko pop than out right. of like the comics themselves
0: Yeah, and and so if you go to like a Forbidden Planet, you know, which is obviously a pretty big chain in in England, Mm -hmm. uh, and you go look at some of those uh, shops, you'll see a lot of, there'll be a a very, very, very expansive comic book section, but you'll also see a massive section of board games, of like uh, fantasy novels, of like role-playing games, of merchandise, figures, that sort of thing. And even in like my local shop, which is quite a small shop, lovely, very, very cool uh, shop, but it's quite a small shop. But even they have a um, dedicated board game like shop separate like shop in the location the same town that they own um yeah. but they also in their comic book side they've also got um an area of like merch and and things like that so they're diversify they're, like, they're diversifying so before they had the second location you know they had board games hmm. in that shop as well they had all that kind of stuff in the same shop right so that, that's a place that's diversifying and they need to do that really to keep uh to keep running
1: yeah i think I think the, I
0: think the... Aren't, aren't necessarily keeping it afloat
1: yeah, I I think the board games are an interesting uh, thing to bring in because uh, uh, when I, when I visited the UK, I would see a lot of board game shops, mm-hmm. and that that doesn't exist in India. Like you get you right. get uh, you get board games at like a toy shop, uh, right, right. like a game shop, and you don't get that many of them. Um, yeah, but uh, the difference like so it it completely makes sense for board game shops to be a thing because board games overall. Um, are like a niche thing, even mm-hmm. if there might have been a few breakouts. Like I, like a lot of people play D and D now. Like I mean, the same people uh, sell RPGs that sell board games, right? Right. So right, right. Uh, a bunch of like a huge number of people will play Settlers of Catan. A huge mm-hmm. number of people will play D and D, but all the other stuff will be like quite niche. Right. Comics um, are in the odd position of being in a place where the format is at this point quite successful, uh-huh. but industry wise, um, we are kind of split into like four different things. Um, all of which have different levels of success. <laughs> right.
0: Uh,
1: so right. like, um, let's say web comics, web comics have uh, some of the biggest reach around, um, Sorry, that was an unintentional innuendo. Uh, (laughs) So webcomics have the biggest reach of all of these uh, things. Uh, But on the other hand, like monetizing a webcomic is kind of weird. But Mm -hmm. like everybody in the world reads XKCD or questionable content and they're like unquestionably comics. Um, On the other hand, like you have something like um, um, sort of the manga and the European market where... um, these are usually successful books that get translated into English and like a ton of people read them. Uh, mm-hmm. But like people who read Tintin and Asterix don't even necessarily realize there are other English comics around.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right? Um, mm-hmm. And then we have the book market where like you have the comparatively bigger selling mainstream titles like um, uh, Saga, Walking Dead, Preacher. Like ton of people read Preacher that maybe have not read that many other comics. Right. Um, and not because they're aware of the tv show like this is before that and then finally you have the direct market where you have a ton of like really good comics that have like 5000 readers at max and if you if you kind of uh, want a fifth thing in in the bargain there's the kickstarted comics thing where um, you have like a readership of like maybe 500 but you kind of make back the cost of your comic and that keeps you happy mm-hmm, mm-hmm you know so you have all of those things there's no there's no unified place like um, raina and uh, uh, dogman are kind of not considered <laughs> a part yeah, of the yeah. same market as wicked uh, and the divine or sure. whatever and yeah, that's yeah. that's your problem right there that you have a format and a medium that mm-hmm. is doing better than anything ever but you have you have an industry, which is not even really a genre. Like, you could understand if all direct market comics were still, like, superhero comics. Yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. then Because it's, like, you know, only people, or, like, they were, like, Star Wars tie-in novels, mm-hmm. where, like, only people who are already interested in that will buy those.
0: Well, well okay, so here's the question then. So if, if it... Because I absolutely agree that there is, a, there is a, an issue of perception. Yeah. Um, and also, I think, like, this is probably want what one of the best things that could happen for comics I think is if bookstores stop treated them treating them in the same way that like I think we as a public look at them because <laughs> if you you know if you go, like every town in England or whatever has got its it's kind of like nerdy shop right which which will be the comic book shop that also does board games or whatever um yeah. And so, and for people, there is a conception of what this thing will be like going inside of it, and the kinds of people that will use it, or whatever. Um, and maybe we all fit that stereotype. It's hard to tell when you when you're one of them, right? <laughs> Try to look out, Maybe we all do are, are the same kind of grubby nerds. Um, but but what the problem with that is, like when you ex, when you take that out further, you uh, into bookshops because. I can guarantee you that if I if you I I I know where the comics will be in the in the comic book shop they will always 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 be next to like the sci-fi and fantasy novels always yeah. regardless of what the comic book is right so regardless of it if it's, if it's a, a graphic adaptation of anne frank's diary it'll be next to the <laughs> science fiction and, and fantasy novels if it's yeah. if it's a, if it's um, uh, like james Bond's, uh, comics it'll be next to the sci-fi and fantasy if it's uh like slice of life um like light in my shadow or whatever it'll be next to sci-fi and fantasy and then right. those books are not sci-fi and fantasy books and so the best thing that you could do for comics is to stop putting them in the <laughs> in the section where all the other covers are like dragons and swords and stuff like that nothing wrong yeah. with those books but if you could take those things out and if you found comics like um like you know like uh Darwin Cook's Parker series in the crime section right yeah. where, where where the other crime novels are maybe there's a crime graphic novels section in just next to the crime books or you or you take the autobiographical stuff and you put it in the autobiographical section or whatever but in its own kind of you know gra- graphic novel autobiography or, or, or autobiography um yeah i, don't, sc-
1: I don't think uh, actually that's um i don't think that's something to actually worry about at this point because that's starting to happen like it's not ubiquitous yet but more and more uh, people do see comics as just another medium um and that like at least in books in terms of books that's that i think is inevitable like 10 to 15 years from now uh, you're going to see preacher in the fantasy section rather than
0: but that's i think but once you get to that point right where you where yeah. you're you're essentially telling like a more general public a more ge- like the re- like a more general kind of people of that read books yeah. that these things are not just like weird, uh, nerdy things that are like in the shame corner (laughs) of of the store. (laughs) You'll start to see that. I think that's how you would, to me, that's how you would get people to start being interested in it beyond, um, People's like conceptions of it. So, like, if I yeah. go into a bookshop and I find like a cool, you know, I'm looking in the crime section. I find like a handful of cool crime comic books, and I pick them up, and I'm like, actually, these these things give me a, com- a completely different experience than crime novels. They're not just like a dumbed down version of regular books, right? Because I've yeah. got pictures. Then, then that might open you up to start looking for other stuff, and then that but, might but, lead you into the comic book shop.
1: Yeah, but oh, okay, okay. That that's interesting. Um, my my question was going to be that don't you think that given how uh, comics culture is currently dominating sort of like the movie landscape and mm-hmm. all of those things, like, um, I mean, uh, the world itself has become a lot more friendly to genre entertainment. Yeah. Um, because i mean to a degree genre entertainment is a little cozier in some ways and it's right. i mean it's it's like you know you know what you're in for right yeah, and yeah, the world yeah. at this point likes things where uh, you know i'm not going to be like traumatized by the end of this um, right. for for various reasons uh, but <laughs> but given the sort of proliferation of genre stuff I, I I mean I think what you're what you're describing is a general cultural movement, which will influence the smaller stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, there's no point like going to bookshops and asking them to do this. This is something that <laughs> more and more bookshops are are going to do more naturally when the people working in those bookshops are people who are, you know, they've grown up, you know, watching the right. Arrow TV show or whatever. Like, they don't they don't see. Comics is embarrassing anymore, so they right. will pay a little more attention to what's inside a comic, and then yeah. they will do that because um, see, I I lent uh, a friend of mine uh, Eleanor Davis's uh, "Me and a Bike in a Road" recently. Yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. and a bike in a road, I think, uh, whichever. Like it's a it's a brilliant comic, which is kind of intended for people who don't read comics, mm-hmm. uh, by which I mean like. People who read comics and have grown up reading comics and are very familiar with comics are usually genre fans, but right, this is right, not a right. genre comic. This is a comic for like, just like, this is a comic that my mom and dad should be reading. Uh-huh. And I handed it to a friend of mine who was in, who thought it was interesting and she loved it. And it like, I, partly because I'm obviously, she's my friend. So she already knows that comics <laughs> are of some worth at least. Um, <laughs> because i hold forth about that um, yeah. but but also like sh- there was no hesitation about the fact that oh this is a comic should i still would i still like it mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. was just a point that oh what is this about oh that sounds interesting i think i'm going to like it right, the right, fact right. that it was a comic was almost incidental like um <laughs> like 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 okay let's say you you're talking to a friend and you describe a televisual experience to them and mm-hmm. then they ask you oh this, is this a film or a tv the only uh, t- a tv show the only thing that they're asking that for is about the length right like
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah, that's, that's right. the only
1: thing that matters then it's not like there's a genuine distinction between um oh i'm gonna watch this if it's a movie but not if it's a tv show or something like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that needs to be eroded that needs to be like uh, between books and graphic novels that's neat that's what needs to happen that oh right. is this prose or a comic just is sort of an incidental thing, but that'll—I mean, that I think that'll happen. Yeah,
0: I th- yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- there, there is like a—you sort of—you mentioned like, um, you know, like comics going through like a cultural uh, awakening or whatever would be the the correct term, but like <laughs> they're being at the forefront of a lot of mass media. The, you know, the fact that Infinity uh, Endgame, sorry is like the making unbelievable amounts of money but that I, I don't i'm not i'm not necessarily super convinced that that leads to um that that leads to people getting comics uh and buying comics and i think it's also no no, no. I, don't, also, I don't
1: think that leads to that at all i'm just thinking right, saying okay, that okay. That, le- that leads to um that leads to An people awareness. looking at comics as a that's a viable thing like
0: right right, see, right right
1: right um nobody these days like almost nobody listens to radio plays but nobody thinks that radio is disrespectable or something <laughs> right
0: yeah, like, yeah Yeah. it's just
1: a medium like yes it's yeah. a medium that most people don't listen to but mm-hmm. it's a medium like it's a yeah. perfectly respected medium so i think it's like that where something being a comic is no longer going to be like so one of my closest friends uh used to call it like cartoon network because he was like oh that's like kid stuff but yeah yeah I mean, he he doesn't anymore. <laughs> right. But but also like uh, it, It's just like okay, you might not be interested in something, but that has nothing to do with the uh, with the quality. It, or... Yeah, like it's it's nothing to do with. It's more to do with nobody reads comics. See, a lot of people don't think they know how to read a comic. <laughs> right, right, right. Which is um, a little strange. Like nobody has nobody says that about. Pros, nobody says that about TV, I but don't like somehow how to like watch
0: TV. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: I don't know how to watch TV. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. but like people say that about comics, and I, I think that's that's nothing to do with the same old perception of comics not being respectable. That's a very different mm-hmm. problem, and that's I, a problem I, do... I think uh, that's that's a different problem, and that's one that we'll need to solve in the future.
0: Yeah, I do. I do think that's probably what it ultimately comes down to is the idea of. I think it's just the. It's still like. I know that we I think looking at the comics industry now I think in like how do people still think this thing's all about superheroes but I do I do genuinely think that there is still that perception because if you do speak if you speak to people out like in the outside of your own kind of uh, circle about like say the things that you do the things that you're into yeah. most of those people are just going to refer to comics as superheroes they're going to know them as superheroes the fact Uh-oh. that like
1: the, totally the like massive... the
0: Sorry, yeah like a,
1: uh, I I actually I uh, uh... A couple of people have asked me that since I don't work for Marvel or DC, how do I make any money?
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. And also I think, I think the fact that like the big movies, the big, everyone now knows comic book movies, like superhero movies is comic book movies. Yeah. Um, And I think that also kind of helps the perception that like, these are all just superhero stuff. But I, 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 I think there's something in, in, like we were talking about, I think there's something in kind of bookshops becoming more open about placement of these things, mm-hmm. um, or even if they still want to have their own section, but at least move certain key texts around so that people can find these things. In them so they're not they're not being forced to go to what looks like the the nerdy comic book corner. Um, but also, I think movies that, as we see more and more movies that go for comic book adaptations, and we look at stuff like. Um, like the kitchen which is coming out which looks like you know some really big cast it's going to yeah. be a really big movie and that's got that's a comic book adaptation and that might get people getting comics uh, in the same way that like uh, people buy um, you know like reprints of novels with like film posters on the front or whatever. Um, yeah, going to going to a bookstore and getting that, like hopefully we'll see that a bit in a bit more placement with you know, and maybe it's got the, the film characters, the photo mm. of the film characters on the cover or whatever, but whatever it gets, people buying comics that opens up to a, a slightly more mass market that like just reminding people that comics aren't just a for kids like you might get with the like dog man and, and you know I'm not gonna say Rain this stuff is for kids, but it's aimed at kind of a kid audience primarily. Mm. Um, yeah. And not just kids and not just superheroes, that actually there is like really, really intelligent fiction being told um, in dynamic ways. Hmm. Mm, Is that? Yeah. I I think that's a fair summation of how we fix uh, the future of the comics industry.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, like I think. um, Okay, uh, here's a question. Um, he has a question that maybe we might have to edit out of the <laughs> podcast because it kind of gets into too much like insider detail or something. Yeah. Uh, but let's say the comics direct market dies.
0: Right.
1: Where where do you think you and I stand or like the people that we work with slash for? Because both of us primarily do create our own stuff. Yeah. Uh, right, like maybe a few company things, but neither of those are like DC or Marvel. And uh, uh, and the companies are also like, well, most of those are also creator-owned comics pretty much. So, most and of the them stuff, at least.
0: I'm saying right. the stuff that isn't is also probably more primarily tied to the direct... I'm thinking like Valiant or something is a bit more directly tied to the direct... Right, market.
1: like in yeah, in my case, I think I do like two licensed comics, but other than that, right. everything is creator-owned.
0: Right, right, right.
1: So let's say, so let's say co- the comics direct market dies. Do you think our careers and like okay, let's say let's say the comics Twitter scene that we are a part
0: of—that's yeah,
1: yeah. That, basically our industry, right? To a large degree, right, that's right, right, that's the right. people that's the that's the writers, artists, colorists, we and editors that we work with right. um, over and over. Mm-hmm. Where do you think all of us?
0: Stand? Where do we go? <laughs> yeah,
1: like, yeah. Funny, funnily enough, this is a question that I've asked myself before, not yep. in terms of. Um, uh, the direct market but in terms of uh, let's say let's say there's a, an actual apocalypse of some kind because my entire career is in a different country so <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a very when, relevant question what if the phone lines go down and there's no internet in India what do I
0: do? Oh, then, to be fair we're all fucked really aren't we? exactly um,
1: That's that's how I comfort myself most of the time
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's a good question. I don't where we stand is an interesting one. As letterers uh is yeah. is uh well I mean, I mean I
1: don't mean letterers
0: actually. I what I mean I is
1: just, our entire industry. Oh uh, right.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Like everybody
1: who work, all the freelancers who work in our industry like um the, that face like I mean the creator to publisher face rather right. than the publisher to the market face.
0: Well, you've got, I mean, this is the thing, like you would assume that with the direct market collapsing that the opportunities would be smaller. But I don't, I don't, necessarily think that that would be true because i think if you've got you've got a market that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and you're going to end up taking a not i'm not going to assume all of the direct market is going to carry on buying comics in the bookstore or whatever but i think a considerable portion of that will still follow comics into whatever version of comics they end up being so i think yeah i think you could argue that that audience base will still be there and i think that you also could probably argue that you potentially might get an even healthier um surge as those two things like combine as the you know as as bookstores see a bigger potentially a bigger movement uh, in and this is really sad because we kind of I'm arguing talking about this in in terms of like comic book stores closing but if you if you have a bigger migration towards a bookstore that means that those bookstores are going to see that as a potential chance for a further revenue growth. So they're going to presumably push that thing more. And if they push that thing more, then books, then book their comic book publishers then see that and see that that grows and potentially starts investing in that more. So if, potentially, you know, comics right. have a chance to do well. However, as in, uh, in some cases, as in book publishing, you've got those kind of authors that are the perennial bestsellers that are yeah. pumping out book after book after book. And so there is a, an idea that you might narrow the, the kind of the creators, uh, because if you've got one creator who's selling like by the ton, you, you probably want that writer to write as much as you can get before they die. Um, and same, same with like an artist. Um, so if there is a chance that those, those, those things may narrow as they see what as, as publishers see directly more like clearly what is popular and what isn't popular. Um, that's not a really good answer because I haven't really answered your question. I've just scared. Right.
1: Uh, okay. So yeah. I, but, but actually that does lead to me a couple of, uh, does lead me to a couple of uh, different kinds of questions. Right. Um, so firstly, you're assuming that the publishers would stay alive um, if that happens.
0: Um, not, I mean, in not all of them, but I think you'd find that I think there would be a handful of those. That right. Trying, right. Well.
1: Correct. So they would kind of become book publishers who happen to only do comics essentially. Right. Uh, right. Um, Like there are two, there's there's a couple of assumptions in sort of what you just said that I want to kind of poke at. Uh, Right, right. So, so firstly, um, one is uh, I was actually thinking about whether book publishers would try to fill the gap.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Right. Like whether book publishers would realize that oh, like. this kind of market collapse has taken down a bunch of, let's say, publishers,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we could sort of make the kind of comics they were making kind of to fill in the gap. Do you think they'd actually hire um, writers, artists, colorists, and letterers, or would they just kind of, would they kind of go the European market route and just hire like a writer and artist and everything else, else is done in-house? Like, um, like for, for example, like all these uh, children's graphic novels that sell through book publishers, they mm-hmm. don't have a conveyor belt thing at all
0: right 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 yeah yeah, yeah. right
1: like maybe somebody like um, uh, who 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 was the lady who did the nameless city
0: oh faith Erin hicks
1: yeah so she got a colorist right i think jody Belair colored that Jordi. yeah right yeah. so that was just her and Jordi. Uh-huh. uh there was no letterer there was uh, there was an editor obviously but she was writing and drawing and there was no letterer she was lettering as well mm-hmm. so would you would you think like the um the way we do things would kind of collapse and kind of have to be reformed or like you know just like let's let's let let like, yeah let me just kind of uh, make all all the points i'm making so like <laughs> so the, the 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 way that uh, coloring kind of collapsed into like one job rather than two jobs uh, right. because there used to be a time when the colorist would kind of do it on paper and then uh, the separator would kind of put it together on the computer mm-hmm, uh, so mm-hmm. now that's that's just one one job so like that and secondly um if the direct market collapses do you think comic book shops would still uh, try to stay afloat by uh, kind of buying their comics from the book market, mm-hmm. um, or like, uh, or would they basically be like, you know what, I'm just going to turn into a bookshop? Or do you think do you think there'll be enough novelty shops? Let's say looking ten to fifteen years from now, do you think co- a comic book shop still exists?
0: Okay, right to the first point it entirely yeah. depends i think on so if if the traditional kind of method of having a separate uh, writer artist letter or colorist, et cetera, i think that that, that entirely d- does depend on that point of like what happens to the publishers do they do they transition and i think they do if they you know it's not it's not going to be like an overnight collapse it's not like if it did collapse there's a lot of presumptions in these in these questions hmm. and answers but if it did if it did get to the point where like people, they were looking at a direct market and it was you know it was slumping yeah. I don't think you. I don't think it would just be like a thing of publishers just all, all of a sudden going, "Oh my god, why didn't we plan for this?" Mm. Um, I think you'd, you'll start to see people plan for that, and as someone like DC starts to think about like book market, you'll mm. get, uh, you will get that kind of thing. However, also, I don't, I, this, I can't think off the top of my head if they've done that for some of the their um, middle grade books that they've, they've been putting out now. I don't know if they have got fully separate. I think they have hired a lot of artists who do who do everything actually can't remember if they've got separate letters for those books or not. No, I think they do, don't they? I think they do. Yeah, I think, um, I think they do. Yeah, I think they do. So if if the comic book publishers themselves, because they will see, I think comic book publishers will see a, uh, an understanding, they have an understanding of like putting these things together for a certain market, for a certain audience base. So mm. I think if that's the case, yes. If it's the case that book publishers essentially see this and, and swoop in and get in there and build a, the base, um, then I don't think you would, because I think that's a completely separate like... Yeah, they, would, model, they, wouldn't, think, they wouldn't have the knowledge right. or background. Yeah. In. Um, so I think, yeah. yeah, I think it really just depends what happens. The thing is, same with comic book shops. Um, if I can see there will always be, I think, there will always be a, a, a case for a niche. Um, even if, say, direct markets comics just completely eradicated, there will always be a niche for that mm. kind of geeky, nerdy, kind of cool, like little, like local comic book shop. In the exact right. same way that you get, that you still get, like, uh, like model shops or like games workshop in the UK, yeah. there, there are still these things, and there will just be less of them. Uh, and they will they'll be tucked down a side street somewhere else, as opposed hmm. to in the main, you know, the main center location. But yeah. I think there will always be I think there will always be a need for that. There'll always be a specialist store that deals with that sort of thing because they'll always have to bring in stuff that you know, a board game that maybe the a book a big bookshop won't be selling or whatever. Um, yeah. So there'll always there'll always be that. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I, I think. Them, I yeah I think I I think I I think you caught all the points and I kind and I agree with you um I think it would be interesting to see what the production line would look like because um because I'm pretty sure that at least some of these book publishers would end up hiring comic book editors to kind of mm-hmm. manage their comic book lines graphic novel lines yeah, or whatever yeah they are. and yeah. Um, and you'd see some of those practices seeping in so uh, just like, see, there's a reason that early era Vertigo was what it was because uh, Karen Berger's background was as a book editor. And mm-hmm. I think so was Shelley Bonds. Um, mm-hmm. And at le- at the very least, I know that uh, Shelley did not actually read that many comics before she joined um, <laughs> right. Vertigo. So right. their approach was looking at these as books. And there's a reason mm-hmm. that uh, that kind of permeated through that line for a long time, because those were, those books were much, they were kind of as wordy as a lot of the retro comics, but they were a lot more literary. They were a lot better written. Right. And there was a lot more concentration on getting that kind of quality because um, essentially the two women running that place were from a particular background. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that at least, um, uh, some book publishers, graphic novels would look a lot like the comics we kind of work in now, where there are like yeah. multiple people. Yeah. But you'd probably kind of see a, either a transition away from there, or like, I don't know. Like, I have a feeling you'd see a lot more people like Brian Leo O'Malley, where he uses a comic book font and then uh, does the balloons and stuff himself.
0: Yeah.
1: Or like, for his latest book, he hired Dustin Hobbin to just hand letter the whole thing.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, so I have a feeling that a lot of people would lose their jobs, as we see them right now. But yeah. that that happens. That that that's a thing that happens periodically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I would be screwed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because I don't really know how to do anything else at this point.
0: Yeah, that, that there'd be a lot of there'd be a lot of people working in comics that we all woke up one morning with a yeah <laughs> with a, a a fear yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That would well, interesting. I, I, I think it's. I don't think it's. Uh, we've done a lot of like, like doom and gloom fear mongering in this. Yeah. But, I, but I do generally think, I do generally think it's a very healthy.
1: Yeah, media. like I think. Um, yeah, actually, that's the funny thing. Like uh, you just said, doom and gloom. The thing is, I think that comics are gonna be healthier and healthier and healthier as a medium. Yeah. Me too. Uh, yeah. It's the industry that might die. Like, I mean, there was a point when. Warren Ellis had the war cry of kill comics. And what he meant by <laughs> that was that the industry, need, like the industry as it stood back then, needed mm-hmm. to die for us to get better comics.
0: Right, right. And that
1: kind of has happened, like without the industry actually dying. <laughs> uh, we did shift to like, I mean, at this point, uh, see, when I, when I started reading comics as an adult, mm-hmm. I first read through the sort of classics. Mm-hmm. And then I had to start reading DC and Marvel because there wasn't that much else around no, yeah. right, in right, terms right. of mainstream comics. Like,
0: yeah.
1: you know, I don't hate superheroes or anything, but that's not my primary interest when it comes to comics at all. But mm-hmm. I still happen to know a lot about DC Marvel because in my early 20s, that was kind of my only reading material. Right. Right. But then that changed. Mm-hmm and at this point i don't remember the last time I'm, I, I read a superhero comic actually <laughs> like, it must have been like four or five months ago at least yeah and i read like five to six comics a day so right
0: but that's a, yeah Well, that's what i mean that i think that's a good yeah um, that's a good indictment of the, what the future will hold i think it'll be i think i think there's a there's a lot of like a lot to look forward to in comics
1: yes there is there is definitely
0: which is uh look at that uh, well that's a what a lovely way to wrap up a topic um <laughs> and uh, oh, there's no good segue from that is there? um hell the, the, what, what the, the fuck
1: like I, I gave you a perfectly good segue at the end of the segment,
0: did you yeah,
1: like the it? whole thing about creators making money and stuff,
0: oh my gosh, Come Yeah, out. yeah, no, that's a good gr- yeah, yeah, no, well, I've really I've really screwed this one haven't I totally um great. uh well, let's move on to topic two. Uh, <laughs> from two two completely unrelated things, uh, into so you you wanted to talk about uh, doing comics professionally versus doing them as a hobby, right?
1: Yeah. So I mean that sort of as a general thing. Like, um, I, I mean, we know a lot of people who do comics as their day job, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of them make enough money to kind of get by, and a lot of them don't.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and on the other hand, we also know a bunch of people who do comics just for kicks like they'll do like one comic i don't know uh, two comics a year or something and Mm -hmm. they're very happy about that uh plus like uh okay at this point i've done comics professionally for longer than i was doing them as a hobby but there was a point when like it was like um you know I, i did comics just for fun or like you know just for the sake of doing it for like four years before i started making any kind of real money out of them right right um and i do know that a lot of people who make comics are kind of frustrated about the amount of money that they make mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so this was this was something that i was thinking about there that given how little money there is in comics yeah um what would kind of keep you happier
0: doing them professionally or doing them as a hobby
1: right right so at this point um personally speaking like you um how much like i mean i I don't want you to give numbers necessarily but uh okay let's let's talk about it in terms of time now now, strip panel naked and panel panel, while being around comics are not actual Mm -hmm. comics right Uh, and your lettering work and your writing work is other separate from that so how much of your time is spent doing the one and how much is spent doing the other
0: uh that's a really hard question um i don't know is the answer uh hmm. so panel by panel is it takes up a lot of time but it's also it's hard to quantify because it's just like okay in terms of actually putting an issue together hmm. i use that's, that's usually like a let's say like a, a couple of weeks but there's also hmm. there's also the planning there's also the getting people involved there's the editing. yeah there's um, the editing exactly yeah um so i don't that's hard to say let's maybe maybe it's like 50 50 maybe but probably um but maybe maybe a little bit more lettering honestly i don't I, I, that's such a hard question i don't have a <laughs> way of answering that uh for the sake of argument we'll say 50 50.
1: Hmm. okay right comics doesn't really have an average does it
0: no that's <laughs> yeah no that's like, like
1: there's no there's no okay. like there's no like. This is how much a run of the mill comic maker makes. There's it's just right. like wildly uh, differs wildly based on right. What right, you're right. talking
0: about. Like but I think uh, I think from so I was I was just before we uh, I was just gonna say one thing. So because bef- what I did before this was hmm. in a in a in a sense kind of similar in that um, I my job before this was to do videos shoot like corporate videos. So even before so before comics I was doing stuff that was. Um, in a way, you are like you put in that sort of creative media thing, but obviously in a much more like really businessy sort of <laughs> like uh, sort of drier corporate environment. Right. Um, and so, uh, like there is there is always trade offs to like every experience, which we'll, I will get to this point I think in a little bit. But there's there's always going to be trade offs to a kind of what you'd argue is like a creative enterprise, but that still has commercial uh, qualities
1: yeah yeah i think especially writers um for example like writers are generally doing comics because they desperately want to right um, so like uh i i was like the other day i was reading about um i think i was reading a twitter thread where the the a writer said that they get 15 dollars a page mm-hmm. to write uh and they were kind of happy with it <laughs> right, right
0: right right
1: like, they didn't, seem to be complaining. They were like, uh, so there was, there was a thread about like how, how, how little people have been offered for stuff. And one of yeah. them was like, Oh, I, I, I kind of like, um, I wouldn't do that because I'm happy with my $15 page. Rate. Right. And I was like, I, I don't even let her for that anymore. Like I <laughs> um,
0: Right. Right.
1: And that takes a lot less time than writing a page like per yeah. page. Yeah. Um, yeah people are sort of accepting like various page, page rates so
0: i don't know i don't know like uh, i think i think there is a like so in in this i think there is like a there's a, th- i think the main thing is there is a difficulty in passing that I, those two things like so you've got there's the creative side of like i love comics so i want to make these things um and on the other side is the commercial like yeah. uh, avenue of like well if i if i spend time doing this, i want to get you know, I want to get paid to do this thing. And it's hard to balance those two things when you're doing something that you've always kind of, uh, you've always kind of loved. Right. Because it's like, when, if you're a kid and comics was like always your thing and you grew up wanting to make comics and you get to the point where someone's actually paying you to make comics at that point, it doesn't really matter what they were paying you. So like, I remember my first, the first, uh, time I got paid to do video work. Uh, I was, I think I was like 20 years old. Um, and I, 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 would go out at night this is a really weird job i would go out at night so it was me uh it was my partner uh and so we were two sort of camera and sound operators and Mm. then we had a presenter and we would go out at night and we would do like profiles of like the nightlife in the area Um, and we would we would film overnight you know like on a saturday night for about three hours and then i would edit it over the weekend that would somewhere take me somewhere, usually yeah. around eight, eight, nine hours of editing time, right? So that whole thing was about right. twelve hours, uh, twelve hours for me, and then you know another three hours for two other people. Um, right. And I got paid, and I got—we all got paid. The total amount we all got paid for that time, I remember the first time was fifty pounds, and I remember thinking at the time, like I remember bringing my dad up and being so excited. I, I could not believe someone had paid me money to do this, right? Not, <laughs> and it's that sort of thing where it's like. Was I having fun? I don't think so. But (laughs) but I I was holding a camera and I was uh, editing, you know, and I was getting and someone was paying me for that time to do that. And now if if, you know, if you'd asked me that like a couple of years ago, and I was when I was sort of shooting more video. Um, yeah. I would have that would have been like I would have been disgusted with you know fifty pounds for for twelve hours work uh, you know uh, especially overnight as well oh on a sat on a weekend um, but you, but you, so you, I think a lot what you get is a lot of people that kind of see it as a well I'm, I'm someone's paying me some for something that I would love to do anyway and so that yes. pay is almost an afterthought for the experience of doing the thing but there right. is always going to be that line right where it, 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 it it's either too much work or it's too much time. Uh, or it's too popular or too successful, the thing that you've produced that, therefore, you start looking at it in a more like commercially minded way. And I think yeah. that it's at that point when people can start to have issues uh, with it. I mean, because you know, like you and I have complained before in the past uh, about like money for, for, for jobs and certain jobs or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, but the, 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 there will there will be a, a point I think that like tips the balance for people where they that thing that initially got them to that, enthusiasm that initially got them um, to that point is overturned by, yeah, either workload or, or, you know, recompensation or whatever. Recompensation. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, I mean, I think um, I've generally more complained about, like, schedules and stuff. Like, so um, all all the kind of, after the initial sort of love spark is gone, (laughs) what what stays is uh, how easy or difficult is it today to do on a day-to-day basis and how Mm -hmm. much are you getting paid for that? Right. Um, yeah. So, like, I think doing it f- as a hobby is kind of, like, to a large degree, um, safer or, like, uh, <laughs> uh, pure, I would say. Um or at pure, least it, I think, yeah. Yeah, at least it takes away kind of, um, like, it, it takes away all the considerations of will this sell, um, you know, what kind of money, will people like it, all of those things. It kind of takes that away and... Just keeps it down to like, what do I really want to do with mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. time, and how mm-hmm. do I do it? Yeah, uh, but I, I think if you if you're an artist, this gets a little more complicated because um, making a twenty two page comic takes a longer time for an artist than anybody mm-hmm. else on the team. Yeah. Um, so suddenly you have a sort of differentiation on, like if if you if you can do like one page every two days. Like sixteen hour working days. Sorry, twelve yeah. hour sorry eight hour working days into two. Then those two pages have to pay for two days of living.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah,
1: yeah. You you can't be doing like the, that that one page like sorry sorry uh, I said like one page every two days. So mm-hmm. that one page has to pay for two days of life. Yeah. And that where that's where it suddenly gets a lot more complicated because. <laughs> then then then, otherwise, you're making like one thirty page comic every year, yeah, and that might not make you very happy
0: well there's like a there's a there's a, a sort of so this is something that i that you i sort of had to deal with again to like to kind of like talk about the video stuff is there's that 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 point where you your your sort of creative ambitions have to meet head on head first with reality essentially right like uh, in the in the terms of in that example kind of like actually making money to live and so if it takes you uh to two working days to draw a comic book page and you're getting sort of you know a median rate or whatever into the in, in terms of the comic industry that's you you're probably not really making enough money to um to live uh yeah well right for the amount of work you're putting in you know you're not you're not getting sort of financial uh compensation that kind of matches the workload that you're putting in Yeah. and so at that point it, then you have to meet that you have to hit that point where you go so what do i what can i do to manage that like does that mean i ever have to start charging more is that possible if i can't start charging more then i have to start rethinking the way that i like approach the comic book page which is really something that i learned into like in video like in terms of doing video where you know if some a client comes came with with a brief and i we, we have these kind of crazy ideas and you would then you lit her, like you sort of hear what the budget is and you're like okay well you know we can't do ideas 1 through 17 that we thought of because uh, there's no money for that so what what can we do instead and then you start looking at it in reality and really this was like the day to day of shooting video was sitting there with the people that i work with and going you know, this really, we kind of really can't do anything that's that exciting <laughs> but in, within this uh, price range, you know, so yeah. what can we do? And it's like, well, we can do the thing that we, we can do, you know, like a, a bit more of a standard talking head, but we can throw a bit more, you know, production at it or whatever, make it fat, blah, 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 blah. But at that point, you're really kind of trying to figure out what you can pull out of this budget um, without killing yourself on working, working so much that really you you're, you're costing yourself money to produce this thing. Um, yeah. And so it's like that's that's always the difficulty I think that people have in those like and that's like kind of creative fields is is the reality of the fact that like ultimately it still is a job, yeah. Uh, and then at that point, if it's still a job, I think this is the fear is when you start looking at it too clinically because if you start looking at it too clinically, you go well if it's just a job and I'm not <laughs> doing it to the full extent of my like creative prowess, why am I doing this thing that doesn't pay me very well? um and why aren't i doing which i guess is your point about it being a hobby is slightly more uh, creatively
1: fulfilling. yeah like i, I mean I, I know a few artists who do um concept art or uh, storyboards as a like for their living right and then they like every year they'll take like a couple of months off and they'll do a comic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they that's the thing that they want to do but but then you kind of have to do it that way like let's say you draw for a living for mm-hmm. like a storyboard, or a concept art, or children's book illustrator, uh, and then you can't. In the evening, you don't want to fucking draw again. Like <laughs> that, that's what you did for work. So, so you'd have to like kind of do that, like where you take a holiday or like you kind of go somewhere and like draw a comic and come back.
0: Right. right. Uh,
1: but that's like that's. Uh, so I, I was I was looking at a Twitter discussion between artists the other day and actually i think today and they were talking about how jealous they were of like european artists where you get you get like 10 months to do like 45 pages yeah and you get paid quite decently for that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah like i mean it's a symptom of the market as well like comics in america started like uh you know, as a pulp, like, I mean, there's still a pulp medium, but uh, like much more of a pulp medium. And you had people, um, you know, working in like studios. Uh, I mean, they were like, essentially sweatshops. Yeah. And then on top of that, you had somebody like Jack Kirby who could do like six pages a day. So yeah, yeah. So I think we kind of, there's this unrealistic idea of what an artist's life can be like, that's been <laughs> sort of just maintained for the last 60 years like <laughs> yeah. like somebody was talking about like uh i i don't remember who this was like my it might have been mike deodato or somebody I, I don't think it was but somebody compared a boot as it looked in a 2016 comic yeah, I remember versus that. a boot that that in a 1960 comic yeah. and there's like so much more detail in the 2016 comic but you're still yeah. supposed to do like a page a day what yeah
0: yeah well i think we were, we were talking about like before we recorded this as well uh is like Charlie Adlard. Uh, so in an interview, he talked about how he he you know he he just works nine to five, five days a week, uh, Monday through Friday, uh, yeah. And he draws uh, he draws two comic book pages a day, two inked pages a day, yeah. Um, so you know you're you're doing you're doing a twenty page book in ten days in a week and a half, <laughs> uh, which most artists are doing in. Uh, you know, I'm being, I'm being obviously generous because that's not including, I don't know if that's including his time to like doing the roughs or the layouts or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, you're, you kind of, you're, you're doing a book, which most people are taking 20 plus days to do. You're doing it in 10, um, which is pretty incredible. So in theory, Adlard could theoretically draw two comics Um a month obviously a lot of that is down to the fact that he's doing walking dead and walking dead is quite a you know it's quite a dialogue based thing more so than action necessarily yeah there's um, a lot of talking heads in it and I'm, a lot of talking yeah,
1: heads but, but also like here's, here's the thing um let's say you're a very fast artist mm-hmm. versus somebody who isn't and both of you do very acceptable uh levels of art um, yep. levels of detail or whatever your parameters are like i can i can absolutely absolutely understand giving the guy who puts more detail in is there are like more time
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: but both of them have to live like you know yeah, yeah. You, you can nitpick about like uh, whether both of them should be getting 200 pages considering that they both have done one page but right. like one like they both should be able to live on it like that's yeah yeah, yeah. It yeah um yeah like so somebody like let's say let's, let's say somebody like um, I don't know who, who's who's the who's the guy who does the mini marvels comic uh I don't know uh Chris Geruso I think so no. like it's a very cartoony kind of style yeah uh, He his pages would be much quicker like it's a very simple sort of style mm-hmm. uh, but like I mean let's somebody like Jerome Opeña is not gonna do that like he's not gonna have the same speed
0: right right this right.
1: comic page looks very different
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but obviously then like i mean that that's where i think creator own comes in where you end up like earning later <laughs>
0: <laughs> right well and i think i think it's like it's uh it comes into how you want to yeah to how you sort of end up approaching those things like um to, talking to charlie like the interview with charlie really a lot of that is him being quite aware of the fact that like, he doesn't want to be drawing for 12 hours a day or whatever. Um, and so he's got a system in place that, that manages, that manages that. And a similar way to like, you know, like a mangaka might have a handful of assistants because otherwise they would literally, I mean, it's not like like they leave the desk anyway, but but they would literally be like working 24 hours a day, seven days a week solidly. Um, yeah, and a lot of them was...
1: still do, I think. But
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Sorry,
1: sorry. I, I forgot the point that I was making with the previous one. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> uh, see, somebody like Charlie Adler is going to probably tune his style to kind of fit that two pages a day model. Like, they're going right. to draw in a specific way because they can do that. Um, right. That's the thing that they can replicate and all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. But then, like, isn't that – that's a compromise on your passion, isn't it? Because um, – it is. I mean, in personally, in Charlie's case, I don't I don't know that. But like uh, right, 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 right. somebody like they don't get to draw the page that they necessarily would want to. They can right. only draw the page that they can. They can manage right.
0: um, and but, but I, that's I mean, just because that's but that's where not which I agree with. But that's where you have to reconcile it with the fact that like, OK, well, you're doing this as a job also, right? Um, and that if it didn't, if, if if it was just about pure creative endeavor, then no one would get paid, and it wouldn't matter. You could do whatever you wanted to do, which would be the hobby side, but well, <laughs> yeah. not, not not quite. You know, I'm you know I'm generalizing, but um, but, no, but also- actually the manga
1: example is actually quite relevant there because then uh, somebody is letting other people contribute to their vision, um, right. You know, because like let's say somebody like um, Urasawa will draw most of the characters, but a lot of the backgrounds will be done by, like the environment of the comic will be done by his assistants. The screen tones will be done by somebody else. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, like that's uh, you. You are like it, it's then in in many ways it's kind of more like being a director where you're sort of managing the vision of the page rather, rather than actually executing all of it yeah. uh, versus in a comic book there's like um you're you're managing yourself you're uh, uh i don't know like uh see it takes somebody like uh, steve dylan um right. or or preacher you can see him figuring out quicker and quicker ways to get essentially the same storytelling out of a page
0: right it's right, not
1: the right. same art anymore like yeah I personally prefer his earlier style to his later style. Uh, but he's he, he's kind of focusing on what he wants the page to execute perfectly every time, which is the body language and execu- uh, expressiveness and all of those things. And mm-hmm. he's tuning everything else so that he can get that. Right. 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 So right. his comp- compositions, you can see, get a lot more repetitive later. Like, okay, this 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 panel always will look like that. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. all of those, like these angles will be, there are these certain set angles. Um, But then he's kind of planning that around. But like, I personally feel a little bit sad about that, but I'm guessing, (laughs) I mean, I'm guessing that's, that is like concession to the practicalities of the matter, right? Right, right. Like, like, I mean, as a letterer, I would love to have, uh, I would love the ability to do like six pages a day, get enough money that. Like not easy. again. Actually, six pages with six pages a day. It's not even about the money. It's about the schedule. Again, like nobody allows me. Like everybody wants the book next like, tomorrow. <laughs>
0: right. So yeah, I can't yeah, do yeah. like
1: six pages a day. Uh, so yeah. then I'm gonna I'm gonna make my peace with the fact that okay, there are certain things on the page that i will, I'm always gonna give. Um, the necessary time to, but Mm -hmm. these other things I'll maybe compromise on a little bit or like automate in a different way. Like I used to, I used to actually spend a lot of time um, swapping out duplicate letters.
0: Right. Right
1: you know like let's say there yeah. word is necessary I w- I would make sure that the second e doesn't look exactly like the first one and all of those things
0: mm-hmm.
1: I can't really do that anymore <laughs> but on the other hand like i I've, I've I started editing all the fonts that I get so that I can kind of swap them out um, automatically right so stuff like well, that. that you have to make some kind of compromise
0: yeah, well that's I think that's the thing is that ultimately like, and I think uh, I remember seeing this was quite recently. I remember seeing the Jack Kirby um, comics are gonna break your heart with everything. I can't remember, what it was in response to. But like, I just saw like this wave of it on the on like my my uh, Twitter timeline, mm-hmm. um, and I was just thinking like, I, I understand that I, I I get that, but like every industry, no matter what you're doing, it has their equivalent of that thing, right? Yeah. Every everyone goes into usually typically people go into a thing because they, they get some kind of passion about it, no matter what it is. If, it, if it's marketing, it, it's it's sales or whatever, right? You everyone has that thing, and you yeah. you will inevitably butt your head against uh, a point at which. Uh, the commercial aspect of whatever it is that you're doing, you know, uh, stops you from doing whatever you want to do, stops you from yeah. doing a, a, a particular element of what you want it, that thing to be. And it's it, like, it is a shame and it is, it is sad. Um, <laughs> but it's but a,
1: inevitable, is, I suppose. Like, and, like people are
0: people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but that'll happen, but that really does happen in every, in, in anything. It, I think in comics and in other, you know, creative, uh, jobs you feel it a little bit more because you know i'm a creative so you know i should want to do what i (laughs) want to have also comics
1: also comics for a lot of people is a childhood dream so kind of that hitting up against reality is uh, always a little more painful than an adult dream hitting up against reality
0: yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because also I think probably adult dreams are probably a bit more like fiscally related <laughs> like, than, than they are just like a uh, pure creative fantasy. Um, but I, I think that's the case of like, I, I think like, you know, anything really that you end up doing is going to in some way break your heart. Right. The, 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 moment when that thing, the reality of that thing is just it's too like shit really. Um <laughs> And but and that, but that happens in comics, I, but I think yeah, I think I think we just end up feeling it more. Um, yeah, so doing I that- I'm also not sure that that's necessarily an argument. You know, I'm not I'm not sure that's wholly an argument for, for the hobby side being a more enjoyable experience than the careers.
1: No, no, the fiscal like, the thing definitely life. is though. Like the financial thing, like um for all the people who are doing comics uh, full time and just not earning enough to live off it. Right,
0: uh, right.
1: that 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 versus hobby is a lot like the other thing is just like a practicality thing of like, you know what, nothing's perfect. Um <laughs> right,
0: yeah, but yeah. the
1: first thing is like if you sort of can't live off your comics, like um, most people in India, like I think uh, I'm one of like reasonably few people. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think Mm -hmm. I know like three, no, no, I I think I know like five or six people, other people who live off comics uh, from India. Right. Everybody else does it as a hobby. Kind of, they have to, like, even if they didn't necessarily want to, uh, right, right. because they're not going to get, more than these many comics published uh, they're probably not going to sell more than like maybe a thousand copies mm-hmm. um, so like they they have to kind of do that them as a hobby but I think I think doing them as a hobby is like not like I, I would for, for example I'm about to like I started writing and soon at some point of time my books are going to be public, uh, produced mm-hmm. uh, published is like a, uh, another matter But but because I'm sort of not like banking on them for anything um yep. it's sort of like I can I can act I can make exactly what I want to make. Right yeah. And I I mean if they fail it's okay it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So that lets me kind of relax a little bit into like doing the order stuff like the weirder stuff that otherwise I might not necessarily do. Yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. But I think I think that's like that's probably how most people get into um into a lot of creative pursuits in the first instance right is that it really is just a hobby to begin with like i mean i i got into comics from uh in terms of like professionally from from purely from it just kind of like enjoying doing stuff about comics yeah um i then fell into that then sort of like led into into work but i think so i think the hobby thing is it's it's i don't know if it's necessarily question i think okay so for some people i think it probably is a question of like. Do I pick one or the other? I think there's probably people that have the opportunity if they wanted to to, to turn it into a professional endeavor. Hmm. Um I think for most people you probably it doesn't it's probably not an either or it's a it's a like a and then <laughs> you know like a hobby and then it becomes a profession when they get people get the opportunity to kind of turn it into that. But it's I think it's that question of like for Yeah, there's a,
1: really a tipping point sort of
0: right, right. Uh there's yeah, there's a point in which you kind of look at it and go, like, well, I could I could probably make this thing my job. Um, or at least you know a, a portion of my job or whatever. Um, hmm. So does it is it is it is it about versus or is it about and then to see if I enjoy it?
1: I think it's all 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 of those.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably probably quite accurate. Yeah,
1: yeah, because I'm sure that people who um, do comics for a living also have their. Comics as a hobby. Moments, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like the, the, I, I remember one person that I worked with at a company was drawing <laughs> all day, um, right, and then had a comic that he would draw at night. Like he was drawing comics all day, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Except he was drawing those for somebody else. Like somebody else owned them, and right. he had this one comic he was he'd been working on for like a year or so, where he'd finish like one page a week or something, mm-hmm. uh, and that was his. That was his weird eccentric comic <laughs> that nobody was like his. His uh, um, his boss was never going to publish,
0: right? Right.
1: But he wanted to do that as well. So he was doing comics as a job and as a hobby.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: At the same time, because I think I think getting that chance to do exactly what you want to do is a precious thing that um is never guaranteed in either case almost yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. you know,
1: except like when you're doing it as a hobby, you can take it you can you can take the pain of <laughs> not working out uh, yeah when you're doing it for work, you have to concentrate more on what works out like you can you can take sometimes you can take a you can't take quite as many chances. As you'd right. like. I mean, I mean, I mean you sure. must have a, a list of these, and I, I, I do for sure. Um, com- people like artists who work on like the big two comics, who I would love to see create their own comics from, but they've just never mm-hmm. done them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not because like they're like just like crazy superhero fans. It's because <laughs> they don't necessarily want to take that chance. Sure.
0: Yeah. You yeah. Know?
1: like they don't know if that'll work out. So,
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. you know. Is that?
0: This is yeah. a hard. This is a hard one to figure out an answer for.
1: Yeah, like I. But we still got a lot more out of it than I thought. Like we got like. <laughs> out of it. I thought. I thought we'd wrap up in like
0: five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so what do you think? What's this? I suppose what's the central question? Right?
1: Okay, so I think um, if I have a thought about this, it is mm-hmm. that um, whatever you're doing for work, whether it's comic or comics or like something else, there there should be like a little thing that you do that is just for yourself. That, that I I don't know whether it's like, um, whether it's something in your regular art or if it's like, like this guy who like draws like one page, like slowly every week um, Mm -hmm. or something There should be like one thing that reminds you why you love the thing you love
0: right right
1: you should you should hold on to that because otherwise it's very easy to get really cynical about these things
0: yeah yeah no i think that's good I, I i would add as well that um find remember the thing that you loved i think it, yeah remember the thing that it, it was that you loved about the, the the job in the first place when there are the moments that that kind of get to you yeah because i think when we we for most people, it was like, or at least for me, anyway, the thing that I love—the uh, th- same thing that I loved about like video—and the same thing I love about making comics was like the process of making them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that doesn't change. Like, no matter if 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 uh, if I'm having like a, a rough time on a project, or you know, or I'm thinking like I'm the pay for this or isn't great, or the schedule for this is killing me, or whatever. Like, I think I can always find some like enjoyment in the fact that like I if I as long as I remember that it was never specifically. The success or whatever. The thing that I found interesting was like the actual process of making this thing, yeah. And that and that doesn't change because that's really what the job is. I think sometimes if I get if you if you know if we get too fixated on like the I don't know like the glory or like oh it's like seeing this thing out on the shelf or whatever. But ultimately, like the thing that made me want to do it in the first place was I just love that pro. I love sitting there with a with a comic page, yeah, um, and and figuring out how to like help tell this story through the letters, and like that's the thing that I i still love you know that's the thing that really i love i think that's the reason that, that, that i get uh excited to like do this stuff <laughs> and sometimes we can i think when the money as soon as the money kind of comes in we can forget about that very yeah very
1: that, yeah that's true that's true for, for me it's the collaboration like
0: mm-hmm.
1: i i like working with people who are smart in ways that i am not um, <laughs> right. Yeah, like I I like somebody can look at my lettering and give me something like that I hadn't thought of. Or mm-hmm. or just like y- you know, like sometimes I get a script like two weeks in advance, and then two weeks later the art comes in and the writer and the artist together have done something that I completed and not expect, and just like <laughs> and looking at that. That that's yeah. the shit that I kind of really crave. Or or like with uh, somebody like Ram or Denise, like sitting and talking about comics, even though Denise is a monster. Um, <laughs> other than that, uh, yeah. So that that kind of keeps me going. So like uh, when whenever I'm kind of having a hard week, I will reach out to like somebody like you or Denise or Ram, and I I know that I'll have a conversation that'll get me excited about comics again. Um, yeah, yeah. That that I really like. I I really like having that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, because because like some days when you're lettering like 40 to 50 pages you can't make the interesting choices you can't <laughs> um you 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 just tired and you you can't get excited about this anymore it's a grind but
0: mm-hmm.
1: but also like the next day is going to be something else like as a freelancer that's that's pretty great yeah, yeah the next day is yeah. going to be something completely different
0: yeah um, that's nice yeah that
1: that that's the thing i like about being a freelancer especially like it's 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 a surprise like
0: there's okay. <laughs> definitely a surprise yeah 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 no so so you're so focus on the process have people that that can you know invigorate your your love of the thing uh, which i think is probably particularly important for like for freelancers where we're working by ourselves a lot yeah is having having like a not just twitter but you know but like having like an actual little set of couple of people that you that kind of uh, that can that can make you excited about the thing again is is really important. I think
1: that's yeah. I think that's a
0: that's a good, that's a really good point.
1: Yeah, I think I think so. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's the same because like, you know like, I, like, I don't know how other other comic people do it or uh, other letterers or whatever, but um, my little my group of chatting to people is very 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 uh, very very small. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I,
1: I literally listed all the people that i have so yeah
0: i mean i've got two so it's, <laughs> uh, but that that is good because that does help like yeah yeah that's nice and even just sometimes you know sometimes you just want like that that moment of like just showing someone a little snippet of what you're doing and just just so someone can be like oh that looks cool and you're like yeah, yeah okay <laughs> oh totally, totally. yeah, yeah. That, that's cool yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah yeah oh well we fixed that then as well
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah just We're gonna that.
0: run out of topics this is the problem isn't it
1: Yeah, I think I think we're brilliant. I think we can
0: say that that's our excuse for why we've only done ten episodes. Is it's just you know we don't want to burn through every topic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Let let's leave something for other people to fix. (laughs)
0: Um, Well, this was fun, and actually, this is quite this is vaguely close to the last release as well. What do you mean? Like this episode? Oh yes, actually, yeah, June, which is only a month uh, after the last one, which is almost uh impressive
1: i i guess c- could we maybe say that we are a monthly podcast i don't
0: know yeah i mean we could say whatever we want i suppose <laughs> <don't we? laughs> no i think monthly i think i think we said that last time i think on the intro to the last one we sort of we we hinted that maybe trying to be monthly which i think is probably yeah um, i think we could we could
1: sort of manage that uh, let's yeah. let's we, we
0: we will have a go
1: and if we fail we fail the doing is the thing
0: yeah we could just say that monthly is different and you know in Different cultures, <laughs> it's a different thing. I'm
1: sure on some planet the year can be divided into 12 at a rate of like 37 to 40 days or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah.
1: We, we are monthly on a different planet every month, <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, it depends on the month, but yeah, yeah, monthly. <laughs> um, oh, well, I guess we yeah. should do our little outro, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. This, I'm going to leave all this in the episode of us forgetting how to end the podcast I quite like this
1: you forgetting how to end the me podcast me forgetting
0: how to end the podcast yeah I'm sorry to rub you into that <laughs> um, uh, so thanks for checking out this week. I'm going to leave that in as well thanks for checking out this week's letters and lines of the ditcher room. me you can find the podcast at all the usual places that you can find podcasts uh, we're on like iTunes Apple Podcasts uh, SoundCloud and probably some others as well
1: yeah uh, you can keep up to date with me on Twitter at Adityabhi and uh, on my website at adityabhi.net
0: and I'm on Twitter at Hassan OE. Plus you can check out Strip Panel Naked on YouTube and the magazine I edit at panelxpanel.com.
1: Thanks for listening.